Yamaha trumpet artist John Hagstrom has been a member of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra since 1996 when he won the audition for fourth trumpet. A year later, he won the second trumpet position, carrying on the tradition of brass section teamwork for which the CSO is famous. Join Yamaha marketing manager Kurt Witt as he meets with Hagstrom at Orchestra Hall to discuss the CSO experience, his musical background, and the development of the Yamaha Artist Model Trumpets. I'm here today talking with Chicago Symphony Orchestra trumpeter John Hagstrom. We're in a beautiful Orchestra Hall down in the, the bowels of the hall. I'm not sure where we are. You led me down here. Uh, for all I know, we're in uh, Indiana. No, we're in the basement of Orchestra Hall, which was renovated in uh, 1997. And within it, they've designed uh, a, about seven of these rooms they call quiet rooms. And it's uh, spaces where musicians can uh, just rest or read or get some kind of, uh, kind of recovery, some poise together before a concert, um, if you need to uh, just get away from music for a while. You've been with the orchestra now about 10 years, and how, what events led to you coming to this orchestra? Well, I, I grew up in Chicago, or just outside Chicago, just west of the city, and, uh, and I had really no, uh, no understanding of where I really was in terms of the resource of, of what the Chicago Symphony um, represented. I just started uh, the coronet in the fourth grade in the in the band program. Uh, uh, I loved the sound of it, and uh, but as I got older, uh, I realized that you know through studying with players who were subbing with the symphony and uh, exposed to the symphony that uh, you know I was urged to come and take part of this uh, part in this, and um, and so I was extremely extremely fortunate to be in an environment. Uh, that had such a, a rich kind of tradition and power of musical uh, expression. And uh, when I was uh, 10 years old, my parents took me for the first time to see the orchestra, and I heard Adolf Herseth play the Hummel Concerto. And uh, it was really uh, phenomenal and really inspiring. And even then, at 10 years old, you don't have any kind of, you know, life goal. You're just trying to, you know, just trying to survive having braces when I did have braces and and uh, those kinds of things are, are more on your mind but when I was in high school uh, I actually heard a, ra a radio interview with Adolf Herseth on WFMT which is the classical music station here in town and in that interview they had put uh, you know stories he was telling about uh, you know the playing in the orchestra and you know his career and they interspersed with that all these excerpts of, of some of the great repertoire played by the Chicago Symphony. And I never heard that kind of energy and that kind of sound, certainly from the trumpet, ever before. And I started thinking about uh, just what a wonderful, wonderful uh, resource that was just for myself as a person. And the idea that you could, you know, be producing that sound was was overwhelming. And, and so it started my uh, aspiration to see if there's any way I could uh, try to achieve the same thing and uh, I had no I didn't even let myself dream that I could be in the Chicago Symphony 
I just was hoping to make a living as a trumpet player and just one foot in front of the other each day uh, eventually and fortunately uh, turned into uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm so lucky to be a part of this orchestra and I think everyone in the orchestra feels that way and uh, both just as a, a wonderful uh, resource for inspiration as a musician but also as, uh, as, a, as a lifetime challenge to be worthy of the honor uh, to carry on the traditions that in many cases were had begun here in Chicago um, it's a you know it's a tremendous work ethic you know Chicago is the is uh, has a sort of a slogan the city that works and uh, and that it, it, it sort of implies that there's a real strong Midwestern work ethic here and we as a city I think are focused on you know the result and uh, you take uh, you know the ostensibly the the world's you know our civilization's greatest construct is the standard repertoire of a symphony orchestra you know representative of the human spirit in so many places over so much time and you put that in the hands of people who do whatever it takes to get the job done and have a tradition you know over a century of that kind of work ethic and you can't help but uh, to have just uh, something so much bigger than yourself and so it's a great honor to be uh, uh, having that as, as your challenge every day. And, and I think uh, it's been true for all the players uh, that, you know, whatever personal differences or, or challenges we have uh, on our own, uh, we, we leave that at the door. And when, once we come in and sit on the stage, we're focused on what it takes to do the best job possible. And, uh, and so I'm, I, I'm always aware of which which you refer to as, as you know, the, you know, the, the awe of, of being part of this orchestra, and it never ends. It's always something new that, uh, that, that challenges you to, to you know, inspect and reevaluate yourself and hopefully uh, improve all the time.
what does an average day for you look like? I don't think there is an average day, but... Um, what does today look like then? <laughs> well, uh, today I have two rehearsals. Uh, and this particular week where it's a, a bar kind of a Baroque kind of program. So we're playing some Bach and some Rameau and piccolo trumpet this week. So that's a different kind of playing than last week. We did Shostakovich 15, which was on the other end of the spectrum. And, um, and so, you know, getting ready for that, I was looking ahead last week and uh, looking at this program and, and, uh, and seeing what it would require and, and what I would personally have to do to be ready for it. Um, a typical day, I think a typical day starts the day or, day or days before, looking at what's required and what I need to be ready to do on that day. And so a typical day uh, uh, starts by having already planned for what's what's in it and, and not being surprised and caught off guard. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of the attention to detail is to is to look ahead. From a physical standpoint, the the stamina and concentration it must take to play in a major symphony orchestra, how do you prepare yourself for that day in and day out? Well, you I think you have to be in good shape physically and mentally, just in general. You have to you have to keep fairly fit and you have to uh you know, it's, it's just basic things like getting enough rest. Uh, and I think managing your time, preparing, looking ahead for what's coming up. And, uh, you know, we all have to be agile in the moment, but uh, the attention to detail of every moment is really something you prepare to, to, to navigate. So if there, is a, if there are difficult programs coming up, you, look at, you can see them coming and you, you can figure out how I'm going to have to spend my time to be in the right condition, you know, both mentally and physically. And then plan your other events of teaching and other kinds of engagements that you would do around that. So, so the number one thing is to, is to be organized, I would say. But you also need an understanding of yourself physically and you know, what kind of recovery you need, what kind of training you need and conditioning for, so that when it's time to play with the kind of intensity that the orchestra does, that you can deliver it and do it consistently and and, uh, and confidently, um, and that's not something that's magic. It's something you work up into in the way that you would train for a marathon. You you expect to fail at first, and you expect to, you know, have to stop and recover, and then the next time you can do a little more. And before you know it, you're up to the task that's required. Um, but uh, you know, I remember watching the orchestra and listening to recordings. Where I'd think that's just impossible. How can they possibly play with that intensity, with that consistency? And uh, and as impressive as it is, it's made up of little steps. It's not one gigantic problem. It's a thousand little problems that you solve over over many years. And um, and so once again, being organized to see what those challenges are and to be able to address them, you know, systematically, is uh, is the key. It's not uh, it's not magic. Your connection with Yamaha Instruments goes a, a long ways back to originally meeting Yamaha designer Bob Malone maybe 20 years ago. Tell me about your first experiences in meeting Bob. I met Bob Malone for the first time when I was 20 years old. And uh, 
uh, it was uh, in the summer of 1986. I was I had gotten into the all-American college marching show band or whatever they called it back then. The college band, for short, in Disneyland, and you play for 11 weeks in the summer. In those days, uh, they had a band there and in Florida, and uh, so I had gotten into this this California band. And uh, I was at the Eastman School of Music at the time, and there was another uh, player there, Bob Feller, who I think is still in California teaching uh, uh, out you know, in the Los Angeles area. And he said, when you're in Disneyland working, he says, if there's one thing you do all summer, go see this guy, Bob Malone, this whiz kid who's come up with fantastic ideas for you know, altering your trumpet. He can make your trumpet work like you never thought possible. And so I, you know, Bob Feller is a wonderful player, and so I, I went out and I did it. I met Bob Malone, and and I dare say I knew Bob when he had more hair than either of us <laughs> together. He was, uh, you know, uh, he was younger than I am now, obviously, and and he, um, he was working for Larry Minnick and had, uh, uh, you know, designed some really innovative things for trumpet which I took advantage of, and he, he really set me straight on uh, what was possible uh, to expect out of, out of my horn, and he taught me a great deal. And I think it's important to say that Bob Malone has been one of my greatest teachers, uh, not so much on you know, how to play the trumpet, but how to, uh, how, what to expect from a trumpet, and, and how to experiment with a trumpet, and, uh, and how to uh, make the best possible uh, companion for yourself with how you set up your equipment uh, one horn to the next uh, you know and, and how the horn is balanced for you and um, and so he planted these seeds of understanding and and sort of remedy uh, and and I've worked with those ideas ever since and uh, so when Bob started working for Yamaha and I was in the Chicago Symphony it was a, a really uh, uh, you know, easy match for us to continue to work together, and uh, and learn uh, with the with the environments and the and the know-how of his really incredibly vast experience. And Bob is very gracious and sort of soft-spoken, but he is a storehouse of uh, of of results of experiments and and just optimal kinds of of uh, solutions for so many uh, problems that can happen on a trumpet. And, uh, and you know, he's such a nice uh, guy that is so uh, easy to be around that he brings out the best in everybody and, uh, and allows what works best to be the, the focus, and not about his idea or what you should do or what you shouldn't do. He lets the results uh, dictate the the product, and that's that's really what has uh, brought about the qualities in the Chicago C trumpet, and now coming up on the Chicago B flat trumpet. Uh, it's those same kinds of values, and um, and uh, and I've just been lucky to to uh, have learned from him and been able to work with those same ideas in the environment of of the Chicago Symphony. You've worked with Bob on now two different development projects, the YTR-9445 CHS and now the 9335 CHS. How does, tell me about the development process from you as a musician. Is that an exciting process for you? 
oh, it's tremendously exciting uh, to to have an idea and uh, to try to create uh, a tool for for playing in the orchestra that addresses the concerns and the shortcomings of of uh, instruments you played before. You know, if if you're playing an instrument that you know really is the best possible. Um, tool for the job that you've experienced this far and you want to you want to push it further you want to expect more uh, you've got to experiment and and really fail uh, you but you you're, as I've heard said recently if you're not if you're not trying and failing you're not trying and that's exactly what uh, what we've done is we're is you know Bob's always willing to to try something even if it fails and so the development of these instruments uh, involved a whole lot of failure, uh, but a whole lot of trying, and uh, and we've learned so much in the process uh, that has finally yielded uh, a tremendously powerful tool that that addresses you know not only the the right sound for the orchestra, but an efficiency of of effort, uh, economical uh, use of your effort, a consistency, a very a comfortable way to play an instrument. And uh, in a way that is compatible not only, not only with other trumpet players but also with other instruments in the orchestra. During the development process of the 9445 CHS trumpet, you're playing prototypes, you're going back to the original Chicago horns. Do you remember the first day or the first performance where you played the prototype Yamaha in the orchestra and went, wow, I think we're almost there? Yes, it was the uh, summer of 2003 is when it when it happened and you know I'll tell you it's an interesting phenomenon because when you work on a trumpet and this is true I'm sure of you know all kinds of uh, developmental efforts for for trumpets you get to a point where you something works well on its own and it feels great to play and you think you have come up with sliced bread and uh, you know you, you're practically dancing around thinking you've you've you know you've cured cancer here and then you take it in the orchestra and it doesn't fit somehow you know whether it doesn't blend or it doesn't match or something isn't right about it. it doesn't it doesn't somehow stand up under some circumstance and that's a horrible feeling because you're so sure that you had it and so we we Bob and I got to the point because the sea trumpet had a, you know you could really look at about six uh, incarnations of of, of of tested prototype you know, where we did, you know, there's a lot of steps involved with each one in terms of working on its own, but where you really took it in and said, okay, this is, maybe this is it, you know, we, we, except we, if it tests out right, it's, it's a good enough horn on its own. It's going to be, it's going to be a winner. And so the first couple of times you think you've really done it, and then it doesn't quite work. And so by the time it really did work, it's like we were expecting, well, how is it not going to work this time? But then it did. And so then you can't quite believe that this is really, you know, this is really the, this is the one. And uh, I'm still playing on the first one, and, you know. And, uh, and actually, uh, you know, you think, well, the, the, sure enough, that horn works fine, but the other ones don't. Well, recently I've, I've played some of the, the production models, which are as good. And in some cases, people, you know, come into lessons and play, you know, have one and want me to try it. And it's better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. I mean, I'm jealous, but it's good. Uh, and the, you know, they're all extremely good. But um, but there is, I mean, they're they're fine instruments that 
in, and that and that speaks for Yamaha that it's you know, there's such attention to detail in the manufacturing process that that the production model uh, you know has qualities that that are at and above the prototypes um, and that that wouldn't happen anywhere else I mean that's that's just just so phenomenally unique in the whole world of uh, instrument manufacturing. Your knowledge of Yamaha instruments goes back a long time, although not necessarily playing them exclusively. You've uh, owned Yamaha trumpets and played them for many years. That's true. I mean, Yamaha is, you don't need me to tell you that it's, uh, you know, the, the best manufactured instrument in the world in terms of its consistency and its quality. And, uh, and I've played, you know, a variety of Yamaha instruments ever since. Uh, I, I, you know, I could get my hands on them. Uh, I've always insisted on playing the best tool for the job, you know, and I didn't play in the Yamaha C trumpet until it was the best tool for this job. And so for a long time in the developmental process of the C trumpet, I, I wasn't playing on it. But there was a point where it finally uh, was the preferable choice, and that's, that's when I started playing it. I've been playing on it ever since. And if there was a horn that could do the job better, that wasn't a Yamaha, I would play it. But this horn is is the very best tool for for what we do, and I have I've I feel like I've got I've got to use the best tool. And, and in this case, it's it's without a doubt far and away this Yamaha trumpet. It addresses you know the concerns of, of my position of second trumpet being compatible to be be able to match and to uh, really enhance the musical choices of other people. Uh, also, it has a very, uh, you know, it has a great uh, ex power to be expressively flexible. So, when I do play solos and when I do, uh, you know, uh, lead uh, musical moments on my own, uh, I've got the, I've got a very uh, effective instrument to do that as well.
I want to talk briefly about your career as a soloist outside of the symphony. You've traveled all over the world playing festivals, concerts. Tell me about those experiences. I, I like to have opportunities to do things outside the orchestra. In the Chicago Symphony, my job is the second trumpet player. And the second trumpet player is the ultimate trusty sidekick. Okay, it doesn't, you know, I, I reinforce the choice of Chris Martin or Mark Ridenour as the, as, the, as the principal in any instance. And so I tune with them and I, I match their every, every, every possible way that I'm capable of. I try to reinforce their direction and enhance what they intend. And I'm, I'm proud to do it, I'm glad to do it, and, uh, and I have no, there's no, uh, not a bone in my body that is going to do anything but that. Uh, in the in the concerts and in the rehearsals, that's my that's my number one goal, and it's that's what the second trumpet player is all about. So when I go and play a solo, when I go and uh, you know do something more uh, individual, it, it sort of balances me out. It gives me an opportunity to to tell my own story. One of the real unique parts about your background is having spent some time playing in the military the President's Own Marine Band. How do you contrast the experience of that situation compared to playing with the Chicago Symphony? Well, the Marine Band is a phenomenal group of players, and I feel also very lucky to have uh, played in that group. And I learned such a tremendous amount that is a very large part of being able to do the job here. Uh, it's a, you know, playing in a band is extremely uh, taxing physically as you play a much greater proportion of the time and in the military the conditions are not ideal you're often uh, you know on tour uh, they had these these tours which I still have where you play a different city every night and it's a two-hour plus concert and you've got to travel and practice and really learn how to uh, be uh, physically competent under the, the least conducive circumstances and um, and very inspirational. You play for people who, you know, who've come to hear something inspirational, and uh, and it's a it was great, you know, phenomenal training and a phenomenal uh, career for those who do it their entire lives. Um, and uh, I would say that it it prepared me to be uh, professionally consistent uh, in ways that just as a music student you're inspired and you're you're, you're capable. But to do it physically day after day and to do it mentally with a spirit of real expression and connection day after day is not something that comes naturally for most people. Your career as a trumpet player also involves a fair amount of teaching here locally at DePaul. How does that impact your playing? And do you find you know, an equal amount of enjoyment as a teacher training the next generation of players as you do performing yourself? I do I enjoy teaching very much uh, because of exactly what you say is that you're you're giving back and I think everybody who has had the good fortune to become uh, professionally engaged as a musician uh, owes a great deal to people who took the time to help them at you know, various stages and, and even in a continuing way over their careers. And uh, teachers make a great investment for which they cannot be repaid. And I can think of the, the people who've taken time with me. You know, uh, there's so many who, you know, I didn't deserve the attention they gave it to, gave to me, but they gave me uh, just significant 
portions of their time and energy and and uh, and I can't repay them but I can pass it on everybody everybody that you learn from is significant in some way that you can't really ever know but you put it all together and it, it becomes all of your background and all of the challenge uh, that you've uh, amassed to become in, uh, what you what you are now and, uh, and so that's why I, I, I teach and and I also feel that teaching is something it grows you know you plant seeds in people and they uh, and they develop that insight. They, it belongs to them, but it's nice to know that you sort of set them on a path or kept them on the right path.